This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Tragedy of Puddinhead Wilson by Mark Twain. Chapter 16 Sold Down the River. If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. Puddinhead Wilson's Calendar We all know about the habits of the ant. We know all about the habits of the bee. But we know nothing at all about the habits of the oyster. It seems almost certain that we have been choosing the wrong time for studying the oyster. Puddinhead Wilson's Calendar When Roxana arrived, she found her son in such despair and misery that her heart was touched, and her motherhood rose up strong in her. He was ruined past hope now. His destruction would be immediate and sure, and he would be an outcast and friendless. That was reason enough for a mother to love a child, so she loved him and told him so. It made him wince secretly, for she was a nigger. That he was one himself was far from reconciling him to that despised race. Roxana poured out endearments upon him, to which he responded uncomfortably, but as well as he could. And she tried to comfort him, but that was not possible. These intimacies quickly became horrible to him, and within the hour he began to try to get up courage enough to tell her so, and require that they be discontinued, or very considerably modified but he was afraid of her. And, besides, there came a lull now, for she had begun to think. She was trying to invent a saving plan. Finally she started up and said she had found a way out. Tom was almost suffocated by the joy of this sudden good news. Roxana said, Here is the plan, and she'll win, sure. I's a nigger, and nobody ain't gwine to doubt it that hears me talk. I's worth six hundred dollars. Take and sell me, and pay off these gamblers. Tom was dazed. He was not sure he had heard it aright. He was dumb for a moment. Then he said, Do you mean that you would be sold into slavery to save me? Ain't you my child? And does you know anything that a mother won't do for her child? They ain't nothing a white mother won't do for her child. Who made em so? The Lord done it. And who made the niggers? The Lord made em. In the inside, mothers is all the same. The good Lord, he made em so. I's gwine to be sold into slavery, and in a year... You's gwine to buy your old mammy free again. I'll show you how. That's the plan. 
comes, hopes began to rise, and his spirits along with them. He said, It's lovely of you, Mammy. It's just... Say it again, and keep on saying it. It's all to pay a body can want in this world, and it's modin enough. Laws bless you, honey, when I's slave round, and they abuses me if I knows you's a sayin' that way off yonder summers. It'll heal up all dem sore places, and I can stand em. I do say it again, Mammy, and I'll keep on sayin' it, too. But how am I going to sell you? You're free, you know. Much difference that make. White folks ain't particular. De law can sell me now if they tell me to leave the state in six months and I don't go. You draw up a paper, bill a sale, and put it way off yonder, down in the middle of Kentuck Summers, and sign some names to it, and say you'll sell me cheap, cause use hard up. You'll find you ain't gwine to have no trouble. You take me up the country a piece and sell me on a farm. Them people ain't gwine to ask no questions if I's a bargain. Tom forged a bill of sale and sold his mother to an Arkansas cotton planter for a trifle over six hundred dollars. He did not want to commit this treachery, but luck threw the man in his way, and this saved him the necessity of going up country to hunt up a purchaser, with the added risk of having to answer a lot of questions. Whereas this planter was so pleased with Roxy that he asked next to none at all. Besides, the planter insisted that Roxy wouldn't know where she was at first, and that by the time she found out, she would already have been contented. So Tom argued with himself that it was an immense advantage for Roxy to have a master who was pleased with her, as this planter manifestly was. In almost no time his flowing reasonings carried him to the point of even half believing he was doing Roxy a splendid surreptitious service in selling her down the river. And then he kept diligently saying to himself all the time, It's only for a year. In a year I buy her free again. She'll keep that in mind, and it'll reconcile her. Yes, the little deception could do no harm, and everything would come out right and pleasant in the end anyway. By agreement, the conversation in Roxy's presence was all about the man's up-country farm, and how pleasant a place it was, and how happy the slaves were there. So poor Roxy was entirely deceived, and easily, for she was not dreaming that her son could be guilty of treason to a mother who, involuntarily going into slavery, slavery of any kind, mild or severe, or of any duration, brief or long, was making a sacrifice for him, compared with which death would have been a poor and commonplace one. She lavished tears and loving caresses upon him privately, and then went away with her owner. Went away broken-hearted, and yet proud to do it.
Tom scored his accounts and resolved to keep to the very letter of his reform, and never to put that will in jeopardy again. He had three hundred dollars left. According to his mother's plan, he was to put that safely away, and add her half of his pension to it monthly. In one year, this fund would buy her free again. For a whole week he was not able to sleep well, so much the villainy which he had played upon his trusting mother preyed upon his rag of a conscience. But after that he began to get comfortable again, and was able to sleep like any other miscreant. The boat bore Roxy away from St. Louis at four in the afternoon, and she stood on the lower guard abaft the paddle-box, and watched Tom through a blur of tears until he melted into the throng of people and disappeared. Then she looked no more, but sat there on a coil of cable crying till far into the night. When she went to her foul steerage bunk at last, between the clashing engines, it was not to sleep, but only to wait for the morning, and waiting, grieve. It had been imagined that she would not know, and would think she was traveling upstream. She! Why, she had been steamboating for years. At dawn she got up and went listlessly and sat down on the cable coil again. She passed many a snag, whose break could have told her a thing to break her heart, for it showed a current moving in the same direction that the boat was going. But her thoughts were elsewhere, and she did not notice. But at last the roar of a bigger and nearer break than usual brought her out of her torpor, and she looked up, and her practiced eye fell upon that tell-tale rush of water. For one moment her petrified gaze fixed itself there, then her head dropped upon her breast, and she said, Oh, de good Lord have mercy upon Poe's sinful me. I's sold down the river. End of chapter 16